Hello, and welcome to the second DIY Recording Equipment Podcast. I'm Peterson Goodwin, and today I am fortunate to be talking to Jeff Steiger of Classic API. Jeff sells DIY kits for preamps, summing amps, and equalizers, all based on vintage API circuitry. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to Jeff today about what makes that old vintage API gear so magical, and how can we approach that magic or replicate it um, in our basement with a soldering iron and some components? So here we go. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Peterson. How you doing? Good. It's good to finally talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Peterson. Uh, I appreciate it, and I love what you do. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Um, I posted on my DIY Recording Equipment Facebook page that I'd be talking to you today, and some people had some questions uh, that I'd like to ask you. First, we'll do theirs, and then I, of course, have my own. So, Okay. Um, this one's from, actually, a couple of people asked this one, uh, and I'm sure you won't be surprised by this question. Uh, it's uh, Sean Kelly and Alexander Jackson ask, when are we going to see Classic API uh, you know, for people that don't want to invest in a in a lunchbox or 500 series rack, uh, you're talking about like one RU units. I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, I have had a few conversations with uh, a Facebook friend who's uh -huh. a Nashville uh, producer engineer, and he's kind of uh, asking me to do uh, a unit, and I I don't know. If I'm going to do that or not yet, I'm kind of torn. Sure. The projects take so much time, really. And even on a simple project, you think, oh, yeah, there's no problem. I could I could bang it out and get that done in mm -hmm. you know, a month or two and, and beyond my other things. But it just it takes so much time. And um, I, I guess the long answer is I don't think I really have it on the horizon right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think one thing uh, that people who haven't gone through the process of developing an electronic product might not know is that once you get into something that plugs into the wall, you're dealing with a whole new world of regulation and cost to get that approved, um, which is why the 500 series modular thing is such a boon for small manufacturers uh, like you and for the DIY world is because uh, API, whoever makes the, the lunchbox format kind of had to worry about the the um, the power supply getting all that approved and we get stuff that just plugs into it. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely, and that's probably uh, from my uh, manufacturing aspect. The biggest advantage is you don't have to deal with all that certification, UL, uh, mm -hmm. CEO, whatever, right? Because uh, it can be very expensive and time consuming. And if I were to do a one RU. Uh, to be honest, I would just set it up with a VPR power supply, five pin Neutrik in and uh -huh. out, daisy chain, you know, uh, the appropriate amount of units and just use, you know, one of the BAE power supplies or one of our uh, kit power supplies or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's after having done a couple projects where you just build everything in the box, wiring all the, the modules or you know, preamp cards or whatever to the power supply manually. I have, I have sworn I'm just doing plugs from now on. You know, <laughs> I, I got the rack, you know, it was an investment and it was a time investment to build the rack and the power supply. 
but man, is it nice to just build a module and plug it in and not build the power cord, worry about all that every time. Every time, right. Yeah, it is huge. Uh, All right, here's one um, that I've received a couple emails about, and I'm sure you have too. Any plans for a 51X lunchbox? So um, basically we mean the API lunchbox format with the built-in power supply and i think it is it six slots for the lunchbox uh yes they are okay it's kind of a you know a portable gigging thing but Mm -hmm. with the extra power rails of the 51x alliance uh format well uh my partners and i volker and simo have discussed it a little bit Mm -hmm. and um we're just going to stick with the the 11 space uh rack that we do now okay and there has been some talk of uh, some friends in Minnesota working on a uh, six-base type. I, I guess I shouldn't say lunchbox because I think that's uh, you know trademarked or whatever. Sure, right, folks. But um, I, I think there's somebody other than us working on that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I I think I might have seen a couple mentions of that as well on the on the group DIY forum. Um, Okay, and then finally from John Carvalho, any plans for tube stuff for the 500 series, and how about an opto compressor? Um, John, uh, probably not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my plate is just so full <laughs> trying to do what sure. I do that, uh, and like I did mention earlier, the console project that right. I mean it's really my main goal and. Um, the tube things, uh, I'll leave to the tube experts. Sure. And, of course, we know you are the API expert. To my knowledge, they've never done a tube circuit or an opto compression circuit. Uh, no, to mine either. Okay, great. So that's it for questions. Um, so tell us a bit about what is special about API and what's your connection to it? Well, do you want the long version, or I'll try to shorten it as much as possible? Okay, well, I, yeah, I want the whole story. And you could edit me out if sure, you want. Sure, yeah, we can always do that. There's always yeah. posts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it almost didn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I was looking for a serious uh, real console, mm-hmm. and uh, I was actually uh, in discussions, and I believe I'd made an offer on an SSL 4000 in Chicago here. Okay. And... Um, I'd went and looked at it and actually had a date to go back down with a local tech mm-hmm. uh, who uh, has experience on these particular boards just to go through it and check it out. And, and uh, you know, 75% of the world's hits have been mixed on SSL, right? Right. And um, I was talking to a good friend of mine who uh, I got to give him uh, a mention here, Dave Martirana. Okay. He said, um, Jeffy, do you really want to do that? I mean, how do you know you want to do that? And uh, he says, have you ever worked on an SSL? And I said, well, no, I haven't. But by reputation alone, I mean, that is the desk to have, right? Right. I want to be a serious studio. And he says, well, he goes, I, I really think you should you should check one out and mm-hmm. listen to it and work on one for a little bit and see what you think. Right. So um, he and I went downtown to a studio with a 6,000. And okay. uh, we'd actually took some tracks, a uh, hard disk from, from his place. And at that time, he had a Neve 5315, I believe, or 5316. Okay. I forget the model, but it was uh-huh. a podcast uh, built Neve, four-bus desk, great sound of console. Okay. And it's since gone. 
And um, so we had mixed these tracks with no EQ, you know, just brought the faders up at his mm-hmm. place and then went downtown and worked on the 6000. And we, <laughs> that was the first time he had he had spent time on an SSL. Right. And we, both, we both hated it. I mean, we just, we hated it. Huh. And, I mean, we didn't even like, and I, and I guess, I mean, the routing and the automation and stuff, which we really didn't get into a lot of that. Right. You know, we could see all the options and they were amazing. Sure. But sonically, I hated it. I mean, I, and probably guys will, will flame me for saying that, but I think <laughs> the people that have been there and have, have worked on these other boards, I mean, they know that they go to the SSL for the routing, the automation, the flexibility of it. Right. Yeah. Not for the Sonics. Sure. So, yeah, we just felt that there were things you had to do to uncloud. And that was what I didn't expect was the cloudiness and the pillowiness of. Interesting. Of the low mids. Yeah, I didn't. I expected the hard, you know, the hard. Right. It, it just, I don't know. I just didn't like it at all. Hmm. So I left there thinking, wow, you know, what what now? Right. And a couple of days later, Dave sent me an email and he says, hey, man, he goes, talk to this guy in New York. Uh, he had a uh, an old API. Maybe he's still got it. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, so I emailed the guy, and uh, we're Facebook friends too, uh-huh. actually. And um, uh, b- bad situation on his part. Uh, well, the, his landlord in the studio he'd been in for years kind of forced him to close, which oh, is oh man, yeah, terrible. Um, so anyhow, we um, we struck up a deal, and and uh, I went to New York and bought his API. And uh, I'll be forever indebted to Dave Martirana because, wow. I mean, if it didn't happen, uh, classic audio products would probably not exist. Right, right. So, and the rest of, uh, you know, from that point forward was me getting the board uh, kind of running to how I wanted it to run. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, going through different mods that were done on the board, uh, undoing certain things and, right. it, you know, getting into uh, wanting to do. Uh, the monitor section, all discrete. Okay. Which led me to Ed Anderson and, okay. and the transformers, because I was looking for, you know, uh, the 2623 transformers. That's the input or out, output transformer in the in your desk? Correct. That's the channel in um, the preamp output transformer and the output direct transformer. output okay. transformer. Okay. And also the transformer used on, excuse me, the uh, ACAs. So... Uh, you know, the I ACA's, found it, uh, for those following along, being the summing correct. module, right? Okay. Exactly, okay. correct. So, and Ed had done uh, this transformer for, actually for Peter Purpose, when Peter did his first 525. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> I, I contacted Ed to buy, uh, and see if he would do a special run to buy 40 of them. And um, somehow that led to me... Uh, I don't know how that worked out, to be honest with you. The details of that, yeah. uh, between that and also me discovering uh, Vemeline, the original knob company. Okay, interesting. So so you've spent a lot of time with uh, the API circuitry and the components that, that make them what they are. What is it about these old designs that on paper don't look very good? I mean, the... The performance specs of an API op amp are are pretty inferior to the little op amps you can get for fifty cents from from Mouser these days, um, and the transformers are even worse. Um, so why is it that we're spending 
so much effort and money to to make these old crappy looking circuits because they sound good <laughs> okay I mean, you're right on paper they don't look good they don't right. sound good um they're ac- actually almost in some situations look borderline bad right and uh but they sound excellent mm-hmm. a- and i i think that you know perfect is not always better right you know specs on paper don't always mean that to to our ears that uh that we enjoy it sure mm-hmm. so yeah there's something euphoric about uh a terrible old um preamp right you know with a bad uh, i shouldn't say bad but with an inferior input transformer right inferior op amp and an inferior output transformer that just sound glorious right yeah so tell us a bit about the transformers you know people say all the time the sounds in the iron um the iron being the, the transformers um how did those come about how did you uh get something so close to what API used to use and and what does set them apart from from a boring transformer well uh, it kind of goes back to how uh, my company really came to light and that was um, because of Ed Anderson and the work he had done on the 2623 one uh-huh. and which is a trifiler wound transformer and you know, I know some of uh, the details and the intricacies of the transformers, but most of that I just completely leave up to Ed because he's the man. I mean, that's right. that's what he does. He's done so many for Hairball. Right. He's instrumental in doing the transformers, from what I know, on the first uh, MC76 for Andrew uh, and other things, of course, right. Andrew and Purple. So um, Ed in this day and age seems to be the the transformer guru quote unquote uh-huh and um so he had already done his research on the 2623 one and that was all done and right. uh you know he had found his winder and this takes believe me years uh-huh. to get this done to find the right winders who are going to do exactly what he wants to do and then go through all the multiple prototypes back and forth and back and change this modify that wow yeah, it just it's a long, long, long process. Right. And you know, once we had established the uh the twenty six twenty three one transformer, mm-hmm. I had asked him, you know, Ed, what about the old twenty six twenty two input transformer? Now my board has the old style uh twenty six twenty two input transformers on it. Uh-huh. It's a more it's a smaller diameter, taller can. Um, and it was an off the shelf transformer at the time. Uh, back in whenever that was, uh, probably late 60s, I believe. Okay. That the 69 or 70, whenever uh, Saul and company started using that. Uh-huh. And um, and then I believe around 80. Saul being, is it Saul Walker? The, Saul Walker, right. Okay. And he was the person who designed a lot of these circuits? or? Uh, yes, he was one of the owners of the company. And from what I understand, was one of the main designers and extremely instrumental in uh, the original API uh, products, uh, you know, circuits, designs, the whole modular uh, console okay. uh, concept. Basically, I mean, he's the Rupert Neve of API. And I guess when you mention Rupert Neve and you have Saul Walker, I mean, they're, in my opinion, equals in the pro audio. Yeah. Uh, and what they've done and provided for us has just been outstanding. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. So, yeah, you were saying, I'm sorry, to, I interrupted, but about oh, the, no. the 2622, that it being basically an off-the-shelf kind of not superior quality transformer. Right. Yes. Uh, and I've heard that, um, uh, you know, through a friend that Saul had said it actually wasn't really that good. And, um, but it, it was workable for them. Right. And there's some 1,000 picofarad caps, decoupling caps on the input of mm -hmm. that transformer to decouple the input signal. Okay. And um, he had put those there to stop some high-frequency ringing. Mm. It's problematic, I guess, when using that in a, a pre-amplifier circuit. Okay. And, and to this day, from, from what I have seen, um, those are still used in the current production 512Cs and 3124s and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so so sure that they're needed there, but it's just they've always been there. Sure. And that's why he put them there, so they're still there today. And uh, I believe with the Jensen's, I don't know this to be fact, but I do believe that you don't really need them there. So, but again, the Jensen, you know, when that change was made to get away from the 2622, and and who knows, maybe that company uh, closed up or went under. Oh, so at at some point, I'm sorry, Jensen. Our API switched from this 2622 to uh, Jensen transformers for the yeah, API for, cards. Okay. Somewhere around 1980 that happened. Okay. And, uh, you know, of course, the Jensen is a much better on paper uh, transformer. They're great transformers, you know, fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I think in that same move, they also, it was a, a step away from the original sound mm -hmm. that circuit from. From the early 70s and uh and that transformer again on paper is the 2622 is not good mm -hmm. uh, some people would actually say it's it's crappy right <laughs> <laughs> like what it's not damn great so uh you can't dispute that you know mm -hmm. uh, but yeah there's some distortion that happens below 10 hertz that's uh that's that's crazy and, and it looks broken right but there's overtones of that that make their way up and you know possibly uh give you that warm type sound on the bottom end, whatever. Right. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, you've been up to a lot lately. Uh, looks like your <laughs> store has got a lot of new stuff going on. Um, actually, way too much to talk about in, in even an hour today. So I want to focus on this new preamp. Um, is it an API preamp? Is it your design? What's going on? It's, I'm sorry, it's called the VP28. That's the new... The VP28. Uh -huh. uh, VP28 is um, essentially it's the, a recreation of the input channel strip of my old console. Okay. So uh, when I first started with the company, you know, Classic Audio Products, and I wanted to do a preamp, my same friend, Dave Martirana, uh -huh. Who saved me from SSLdom? Right. He, um, <laughs> I mentioned to him, "Hey, I'm gonna do. I mean, Ed's got these uh, great transformers, input and output transformers." Uh -huh. uh, I says, "I, I want to do a preamp," and he says, "What, Jeffy? You out of your mind?" He goes, "Who's gonna buy? There's the the market's flooded with 500 series preamps. Right. You know, why are you gonna waste your money on that? You know, and trying to do something like that. Sure. And." uh uh, I proved him wrong there, I suppose, luckily, yeah, <laughs> luckily right. for me. So um, when I did my first uh, prototype, I had actually went up to Dave's uh, studio 
uh, you know, because it's nice to have another good qualified set of ears to mm-hmm. listen to, you know, what I hopefully confirm what I was hearing. Uh-huh. Actually, at that time, I had just gotten in the uh, the red dots. I was uh, Scott's red dots. Okay, those those are the uh, discrete op amps. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's Scott, who? That's Scott Liebers. Okay. Uh, up in Minnesota, I reached out to Scott and I said, "Hey, this is kind of what I'm doing. You know, I want to do uh, an API style mic preamp. Um, mm-hmm. Could I carry your red dot op amps?" Okay. And, and he said, yeah, that'd be great. And, um, you know, to go with the preamp kit cells. Sure. So Scott and I hit it off. And, and uh, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, all of my suppliers that I deal with are just awesome. And, and Scott and Gary are absolutely fantastic, along with Ed and all of his guys. Uh-huh. So I had the red dot here, Scott's uh, discrete op amp. And um, one day I got, right around the same time period, I got an email from uh, Gary Barnett or a private message or something. And uh-huh. he says, hey, I got this 2520 that I've been working on. And he says, I've been playing around with them here at his place in, in Ohio. And uh, he says, I think they're good. I just wonder if somebody else would listen to them and, and you know, give me your feedback, see what you think. Yeah, the 2520 is the model number for the API op amp. Correct. Yeah, Cor- okay. And, and Gary's op amp is modeled uh, after... I believe it's a studio systems op amp, which would have been early seventies from API. Okay. And which has been through many, many uh, revs since that point. And they're probably still changing it right now today. So, sure. Um, so anyhow, uh, Gary sent me his um, uh, do it yourself 2520 mm-hmm. and he had double-sided boards. I mean, it's a nice board, mm-hmm. nice layout. Um, and just in, you know, physically looking at them, Scott's looks a little funny because he uses half surface mount parts. Okay. So it doesn't seem to be that many components on there, although they're all there. Right. Uh, and somewhere on the bottom, so on and so forth. And Gary's board, uh, his layout, it, I mean, it's a nice layout, but it, it was, uh, uh, he might kill me. <laughs> Gary, don't kill me, man. <laughs> it's not pretty, you know? Right. It's uh, it, it's nice, uh, but it's not like you know some layouts just look pretty. Sure. And um, so anyhow, I took the app amps up to my buddy Dave's place, uh-huh. and we went through some vintage Huntington twenty five twenties, which were out of my console. Okay. From the mid seventy five seventy six era, mm-hmm. and uh, we took the, the VP twenty six prototype preamp and listened to it, and um. And actually, he and I were blown, absolutely blown away by how close Gary and Scott's op amps were to the original Huntington op amps. Wow. Okay. I mean, they, uh, blown away. I mean, yeah. we were just amazed. And huh. Dave, my buddy Dave has been through, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a pro audio gear junkie. I mean, he's been through at least 10 or 12 uh, console. I mean, great consoles. Oh, my Eight, God. Multiple wow. 488s. Right. You know, fours. A couple different Neve consoles. I mean, he's been through stuff I can't. He probably doesn't even remember. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. At this time, he had a 1978, and he still has a 1604 con- vintage API 1604 console. Okay. The comparison was preamp from his console to my VP26. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> he's actually a great singer. He thinks he's bad, but he's got an awesome, awesome voice. Okay. A great thing. So we laid down vocals with Dave uh, singing in the tools and mm-hmm. um, and compared and uh, yeah we both just loved it and 
he was amazed that I was able to do what I was able to do and capture that that old sonic sound. Um, and then the very last test, just for the heck of it, because mm-hmm. this time we were taking the preamp out signal from the console, right? Which is essentially the same thing as a VP twenty six, only without the T pad attenuator, which we were not using for this particular test. Sure. So we took the preamp out, mm-hmm. uh, and that was our comparison. And at the very end of our little session, I says, Dave, let's take the direct out for the heck of it. And that was um, the preamp out on the console flows to the EQ module slot. Okay. And through whatever equalizer you have in that slot. Okay. uh, And then back to the input channel. Mm -hmm. And then through uh, directly drives the channel fader. Okay. And then from the fader to uh, a 2520 booster amplifier. To another twenty six twenty three one, which okay. drives the direct out. So we're talking one input transformer, two op amps, and two output transformers. Correct. Uh, one of them kind of being an interstage transformer, Correct. I suppose. Okay. Wow. So so whatever you magic is in the API sound, you're kind of almost doubling it. Basically, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, okay. I see where this is going. This is going somewhere good. I like this. Well, not to mention what's in that EQ slot, okay. which we almost have to forget about that, even though it, when I listened to it and when Dave and I listened to it at that particular time, uh, the EQ was was out, so uh-huh. it was not engaged. But you're still running your signal through two more 2520s right. and 2503 output transformer that's wired one to three for nine dB of uh, step-up gain. Okay. So... I mean, there's a lot of discrete circuitry mm-hmm. and transfers in that signal path. Right. So we take the direct out, and he laid down another track, and we came in and we listened to it, and both of us just turned and, I mean, our jaws dropped. Wow, wow. It was so many leagues beyond. Everything else was in that you know same area uh, with his 1604 preamp only. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the VP twenty six, it was all in that same area, but the yeah the whole console signal path, it it, it was amazing. I mean, it was jaw dropping amazing. Wow. And uh, you know, at that point, I mean, I, I I knew that one of these days that that had to be done. And sure. uh, basically, the VP twenty eight is that. Okay. It is. It's a complete full VP twenty six preamp, which is the same preamp that's in my board. Uh-huh. Up to that uh first twenty six twenty-three uh output transformer, the interstage, which I guess in this particular situation would be an interstage transformer. Uh-huh. Uh there's no EQ slot and no facilities to drive that because it's just not available in a right. one yeah, because of the limitation of the five hundred series format. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um so basically uh you know I, I skipped that part of it and then put a uh, a stepped fader. Uh, it's a 1K uh, step fader, mm-hmm. um, which uh, the board had 600 ohm faders, and there's a big difference driving uh, with that first stage preamp stage driving a 600 ohm fader or a 1K fader. Sure, yeah, I would think 1K would would load it a little better. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, okay. and, and the bottom end actually increases. It rises around 20 hertz okay. when you take off that heavy 600 ohm load. Right. So. Uh, one guy just asked me to email last week or whatever. Um, well, why not 10K? That would be so much farther, so much better than, than 1K. Right. And I, 
no, there's a world between 600 ohms and 1K, but just uh, a few steps between 1K and 10K. So um, anyhow, so we have the step fader, mm -hmm. and then we have uh, a high-pass filter array, basically very much the same way it was done on my console. Mm -hmm. um, mine is a little bit more elaborate, uh, but it's uh, only really because you have the uh, 6dB or 12dB per active um, uh, filter. Uh -huh. But the console was 12dB. That's okay. just how. So, I mean, that's really all I did. So, it's uh, three frequencies on two buttons, uh -huh. which is cool. And yeah, very cool. I really like how they're uh, trickery in the switching, you know, to get. Um, and then, you know, another 2520 and uh, the post fader booster stage. So um, that's basically the 28 is a VP26 with uh, a step fader after it and the high pass filter mm -hmm. and the booster stage from the console. Wow. Uh, and a 2623.1 on the output. And um, it, it's like you say, it's a double of everything. And that's right. where the, the double uh, squared. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I am so excited to get one of these because, um, and I've heard various people say that uh, maybe some of the, the magic of the kind of console era that we're trying to trying to get is is not so much that maybe it was the, the medium you know maybe it wasn't so much tape or it wasn't so much the quality of the preamps but the fact that we were just running everything through not just a preamp but an eq and a line booster and then the output stage and and so maybe it, we just aren't running it through enough stuff you know and and so with the preamp, um, with your VP twenty eight, it brings us a little bit closer to for us kind of home studio or portable studio guys or just not console people um, to actually having a kind of console signal path, which is so exciting that to have that within reach. Yeah, I I was actually quite surprised that this hadn't really been done before, especially with uh, an API style. Amp. Yeah. You know, you look at the 1073, which I'm not intimately familiar with, but, mm -hmm. you know, circuit, and everybody talks about the three gain stages. Right. Well, you look at, uh, you know, a 512C or 3124 or whatever, and you're uh -huh. talking about one gain stage. Right. Uh -huh. So uh, essentially, I have two in right. this, uh, in the VP28. So, and right. 72, 72 dB gain, I think, is. Um, it's enough, I believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty hefty. It's enough. Yeah. So, well, congratulations on bringing that out. It's really exciting. I don't have my hands on one yet. I understand that, uh, especially when you're launching some something like this, inventory is a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not even this launch, really. Uh -huh. it's, it's all the, the stuff that we do in general, just inventory has been... It's the biggest struggle. Right. It's inventory. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah, we're out of the 2623 ones now. Well, it's great. I mean, it's so exciting to see this, our little niche really growing. And, um, I mean, I remember being aware of what you were doing I, a few years ago when you started and thinking, oh, this looks cool. Um, you know, wait and see how it goes. And then all of a sudden, I can't go to Gear Sluts without somebody talking about your your stuff. But it is cool to see that DIY go from this little dark corner of the internet to being something that that people, it seems like the recording community as a whole, 
is kind of more on the radar. You know, Tape Op is reviewing DIY kits now, and um, it's just really exciting to see people like you and really doing well and, and shipping a lot of kits and stuff. It's a very good sign, I think. Well, I think it's a sign of the times, really. It's a, a sign of the economy, in mm-hmm. a way. Um, it's multiple things, but I think the economy is a big part of it uh-huh. because people want good, high quality gear. Right. And once you've used that great preamp, that great microphone or whatever at a friend's house or at a real studio or whatever, mm-hmm. and you go back to whatever you might have at your place, you're just never, ever, ever going to be happy with it because the quality is not the same. Right. And it, may only be a few percent but that's a few percent right there that just oh yeah, yeah. you know as an engineer artist whatever you just can't deal with so right. everybody wants great gear um and i think the do-it-yourself era is a way that everybody could have right fantastic gear that equals some of the best gear that you could buy off the shelf from anyone mm-hmm. and every day uh, it just keeps growing and growing and growing with right. yourself kids. So I think there's just about everything covered. I mean, right. I, well, so. yeah. And I think it's so cool that it's, um, you know, not only is it getting kits to people, uh, you know, gear to people like me that could never have afforded uh, an API console, but it's also exponentially increasing the access to information and, and the knowledge people have about this stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's very analogous to, I think the kind of open source movement that's going on with, with software and now with hardware, with, uh, Arduino and all this stuff. Yes. Is that now people can, we can have enlightened conversations about, Oh, what transformers in that? Uh, what kind of op amp is in there that, until recently, I think that those conversations were only had by a very small amount of very educated people. Well, um, amazingly, uh, geeks like you and me can yeah. have a conversation, and and other geeks like you and me, and there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of them out there. Right. There are dozens of us. Yeah. Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be interested in, in what we're talking about, and uh, it's very exciting. And when it comes to recording, I think it's really cool that in this day and age that the do-it-yourself gear is on so many records mm-hmm. you turn on the radio station and whether you know it or not there's a huge percentage of the hits that are on radio today right that have do-it-yourself gear right in that chain somewhere or another which is amazing it is very cool um i think the most recent thing I saw was I we spotted a 51X rack in Butch Vig's studio at, at Dave Grohl's <laughs> house, uh, which was very cool. Um, yes. Do you remember shipping that one to Butch Vig or, uh, or anything? No, not that one. I shipped two. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, the tech, uh, Pat Schneider, uh, was the one who, okay. I, you know, so uh, I don't deal with the, 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 the personalities, I guess, but... Right. And in a very interesting way, it's kind of a return to form uh, to the days when guys like Tommy Dowd and Bill Putnam uh, wanted a studio. So they built and designed a console. Um, And so like you're saying back then, every record had something DIY on it. And you're saying now it's kind of a returning to that way where the tools aren't just something that gets made in China and you buy a guitar center. The tools are actually... Um, 
part of your holistic experience as a recording engineer. Um, Absolutely. So it's 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 a very fun time to to be into this stuff. It's a very exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting time. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you want to cover before we get on with our our days? I suppose. Uh, no, I, I, I just want to thank everybody for the patronage and believing in me and, and the products that we do. And, uh, specifically, I, I need to thank Gary Barnett, mm-hmm. Scott Liebers and Ed Anderson for, uh, just the fantastic products that they, they help supply me with. So Great. those guys are just instrumental and, and awesome guys. So Great. and well, thanks to everyone. And thanks to you too, for what you do and your site is, I mean, you can just spend hours and hours <laughs> going through your site, which right. is amazing. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, fantastic resource. I'm really, really cataloging what other brilliant people like Ed and and you and and stuff do. But um, yeah, it's a it's a just a fun community to to be a part of. So thank you so much, and uh, it was great to talking to you. Uh, same here. Thank you, Peterson, and have a great day.